Hi guys, before we get started, uh, I just wanted to say a massive thanks to everyone that left a positive review on Apple Podcasts just recently. Stuff like that is so helpful uh, for reaching new people, so I really appreciate that. So if you have not done that already, please go ahead and do that. Also, if you want to follow me on Instagram at Mixtapes with Mike Podcast, uh, the link in my bio now gives you the option of going direct to my Spotify or Apple Music profile so you can listen to the Mixtapes direct. And as with last week, Mixtapes with Mike is brought to you by Tim and Gen's Weekend Podcast, a 20-minute audio delve between two lifelong best friends who tell each other about what they got up to at the weekend and hilarity ensues. And I'm involved as the producer, so I get to phone in every week and tell them who's on mixtapes that week, and I get a little bit of exposure that way. So by helping them build an audience, you are also helping me. And without any further delay, here's the episode. I'd say it's almost like the perfect album for toddlers. I mean, <laughs> I mean, it's, it, it sounds like the inside of a toddler's mind. This is pure, blind happiness and innocence. Welcome to Mixtapes with Mike, the podcast where I invite a guest to make us a mixtape of 10 tracks without using the same artist twice. We're going to talk about each song, and if you like the sound of what you hear, you can listen to the mixtape in full by clicking the link in the show notes of this episode. It's that simple. So if you're the kind of person who'd like a new mixtape each Monday, you should probably subscribe to this podcast. But that's enough of the hard sell. Let's talk about music. This week's guest is an award-winning stand-up comedian who's appeared on Monk the Week and Russell Howard's Good News and also tours the international circuit playing festivals such as Just for Laughs in Montreal. He hosts his own podcast called Two Vegan Idiots with fellow comedian and vegan idiot Julian Dean. But more importantly than that, he is an absolute music fanatic. So it was really good to sit down and talk with him, even though we had a few technical issues at first. But I think you're going to enjoy it. So, this is Carl Donnelly. Hey, mate. How you doing? Getting there. Getting there slowly. <laughs> We've had a few couple of technical hiccups. So trying to yeah. get up and run it. We've been trying to start this podcast for the last half an hour. Um, we have. Uh, internet is, issues at um, both ends. It's been, it's been a barrel of laughs. It has. But we're, we're, it seems to be up and running now. Yeah. Barring uh, any 4G issues. Yeah, here we go. You've probably cursed it, man. You've probably just... <laughs> um, all right, so... We, we've we we've met very briefly in passing, um, but we're, we're both on the sort of stand-up circuit, uh, although you're, you're a lot further down the road than I am. Um, and when... When I made the decision to relaunch it, uh, because we're in the, we're in lockdown right now, I just started contacting a bunch of people on social media just to say, oh, like, because obviously, like, I've, I've listened to your podcast. It's like, ah, he sounds like a pretty sound guy, and we've got we've got people, we, we've got friends in common. So I was just like, I wonder if you might just, I wonder if you'd respond. And you were one of the first guys that came back, just like, yeah, this sounds ace. Let's do it. So thank you very much for coming yeah. on. No worries. I, it's that thing where I like, um, you know, I think, if, like when I think most comedians, you know, have some, are interested in music and stuff, but we don't really get to nerd out about it much. You know what I mean? It's it's that thing of unless you end up doing radio or something. But on the whole, and even then, normally it's bad radio. You don't get to choose the music. So I yeah, think, there's probably you know, is there's restrictions there on, on what you can and can't oh, yeah. play and, the, and, what, and what you can and can't play as well, so... Exactly. So I think it's nice when, you know, you get asked to just try and write a list of stuff you like, be it music, films or something. It's quite a nice little break from just talking nonsense. Yeah, and I think... Somebody any... just drove past my house with a very loud, souped-up uh, exhaust pipe. Did you hear that? Yeah, well, that's fine. It's all right. You, you, you may hear my dog fart at some point, so it's same, <laughs> same thing, isn't it? It's just, uh, you know, an inappropriate <laughs> exhaust. Um, but when people spend as much time travelling as we do, because, I mean, like, I'm on the road for my day job as well as doing gigs in my spare time. Oh, right. Music becomes very important. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Definitely. Said, I think it's, yeah, 
But uh, yeah, I know some comedians spend most of their driving time listening to me, uh, to podcasts. But I definitely, I, I much prefer music when I'm on the road. You know, maybe very late night if I've got a long drive, I might put some speaking on to try and keep me awake. But if I'm just driving on route somewhere and I'm wide awake, I'll always have music over talking. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. Like I've, I've. I have a playlist on my phone saying you're driving, wake the fuck up, and it's got some very aggressive music. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. If, if anything, just to get me to the next services so I can have a kit for 20 minutes and then get back <laughs> on it. Yeah, yeah. Um, now, I've got your, your, you sent me your playlist. And yes. I, I don't know what, I don't know what I was expecting, but I wasn't expecting this. Um, right. So I, 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 all of, all of it, well, or like some of it. So, like, like, there's, there's definitely a tone to it, but I do have a theory about it. But I'll, we'll, I'll, I'll reveal that at the end because. Okay. But there are some absolute bangers on here. Um, but who's your first track by? Uh, first track is you know be quite classical. Uh, just grown up, most people. Uh, with any sort of passing interest in music would have maybe gone through a phase of these and it's Black Sabbath. Yeah. Um, Which, yeah, but not the, uh, I, uh, you know, not that sort of, I, would, I, would, I don't know, I wouldn't say this is probably one of the couple of songs that people would most, you know, these aren't the sort of hack Black Sabbath songs most people would go to. No, this it's is, a slightly more it's alternative. Not a, it's not a typical Sabbath track. No, it's not. I think this is this is my favourite Black Sabbath track, and it's probably their most trippy sort of alternative one that was relatively well known. And yeah, uh, it's it's definitely a bit of a you know, it's very track. yeah, it definitely yeah. This this I mean I'd say this one comes from a particular era of my life, definitely. In that it was probably when I was at my most. Uh, you know, experimenting with drugs and drinking, like, you know, just being like on a little bit of a, a, I don't know, a journey of self-discovery and finding myself and all that sort of stuff. And this song just was a, for a period of time, I would say this song was on every playlist I had that would have been playing in the background of those nights. It's a, and it's a sort of tune that if you're in that sort of state of mind, because it, it's, it's not a short, it's not a short track at five minutes plus, but like you could happily just keep it playing again. Because Definitely, it it's got a real yeah. It's very. Um, I think it's got that. It, nothing's going to sort of surprise you during it. There's no like moment. There's no big changes, or you know, it's quite repetitive and yeah, it stays on one sort of quite relaxed, gentle tone the whole song. Yeah, a song that I actually I weirdly think is quite similar to it. I don't know. Have you ever listened to any Caius? Uh, a little bit, yeah. So, so yeah, Caius. I think you know they've got a couple of tracks that I think are quite heavily influenced by this sort of Black Sabbath uh, era, mm-hmm. and they've got a song called Space Cadet, which I always, I always for some reason when I hear Space Cadet, think of this song. Yeah. Okay. I'm not. I'm not aware of that track, so I'll have to. I'll have to have a look at it. Um, all right. So this track is. Uh, it is Planet Caravan. Black Sabbath, who's the next track by? Uh, next track is by someone quite different to Black, Black Sabbath. If they're going to be like your sort of long haired goths, you know, this, this, this next band couldn't be more different in that um, I think they're one of the coolest bands of all time in terms of like how they looked, everything, and that's Roxy Music. Okay. Now, although the band is a very different outfit, it's still a fairly mellow tone following on from the Sabbath track, so 
Yeah, that would be true. I wouldn't. Yeah, I hadn't really thought about that actually, and I didn't really put these this list in any major order. I definitely split a couple up, but I think I didn't realise that I'd put probably two of the more relaxed ones towards the start. But this track is, and this is this is probably one of Roxy Music's most chilled sort of tracks as well. You know, it's not Virginia Plain or one of them ones that is quite you know quite upbeat and yeah almost dancey isn't it whereas this one I would say is one of the more um yeah I'd say it's a bit more chill I don't hate you know I think the word when you say like chill out music it's got some, that has such bad connotations because it got ruined by loads of compilation albums in like the late 90s didn't yeah it? <laughs> everyone's like get chill out you know, ministry of sounds yeah. right? but actually you know, I do think there is a place for that style of music. Yeah, it's got a very sort of relaxing, kind of mellow tone. Like the 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 vocals, they're not belted out. They're like, oh. they're very soothing. Oh, totally. That's Brian Ferry, I think, down to a T. He had that thing where he was just—he was—he always sounded cool. Like you know, he just—you could tell he'd look cool, and he like—he's just a cool. Just the hot, everything about Brian Ferry is, you know, in, during his period that when he was at his peak, you know, just just came across as the the cool lead singer. Yeah, I think songs like this really capture it. Um, you know, I, 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 Roxy Music. I, just, I think they, you know, you look at Roxy Music throughout all their different looks and styles and sounds. I just think you know they've got a lot going on. You know, they were obviously a bit weirder in the early days when they. You know, Brian Eno looking like an alien on keyboard in the corner. But then they sort of just developed quite nicely into that, that sort of new romantic era. But they, again, they would, I think they were always the best of that bunch. Do you know what I mean? They get sort of thrown in a lot with new romantic things, but I think they almost started it and were way above it and everything else was a sort of poor man's copy. And they're another one of those bands where they've got more hits than you realise. Like, if you've not been, like, a like a follower of them, and when mm. somebody starts playing you, sounds like, oh, that was them, that was them. Oh, oh, I Definitely. Know. Yeah. I had, um, in my Edinburgh show last year, because uh, of the venue, it was quite, there wasn't really a backstage, so I just was on stage when everyone was coming into the room, and I just sort of chatted to them. I always compared the room as they were sitting down, and I just wanted some, like, music in the back while I did that and I, I had this song and I had more than this which is another yeah um, Roxy Music song it also I think has a similar tone it's not it's not too upbeat or anything it's quite relaxing and um, and yeah without fail like every night I'd have at least a couple of people go oh I love Roxy Music like they're really I think they're much more popular than people realise yeah alright so this track is it's Avalon by Roxy Music So that's Roxy Music. Who are we listening to next? Next, we are listening to the band I've seen the most live out of any band is uh, is the Pogues. Okay. Now, other than the the Pogues song that everyone knows, I've not listened <laughs> to much of their other stuff. Like you know, I'm aware right. of them and uh, I know what uh, a um, afraid around the edges person uh, Shane McGowan is and all that malarkey but like uh, but I've not really gone any deeper on them um, but they, I really enjoyed listening to this today it's a, yeah, this, I mean this is a lovely song this is, this is again this uh, weirdly I, I think <laughs> just now I'm realising that sort of theme as well I've I definitely picked one of their more um, smooth and soothing type songs rather than you know, I mean, the Pogues are essentially a punk band when you actually go through their stuff, you know. They're almost like a sort of a, a folk punk. You know, a lot of their songs are quite manic and mad, like Fiesta. And, you know, it's, it's all about that, capturing almost a Kaylee, but with, you know, with a sort of punk poet writing the lyrics. 
Yeah. But actually, they've got loads of lovely songs that lean more towards their sort of folk roots, I think. Yeah. So, the, and this is like, this cap, this captures like a, their, their most, probably their most Irish, I reckon, this song is, you know, so, and obviously they've got, they, they did quite a few covers of old traditional Irish folk songs, but like in terms of one that they wrote, I think this one sounds the most like a good old fashioned Irish folk song. Yeah, whenever I hear like a Dropkick Murphys track, I just think, well, these just, they sound like a, like a, a more contemporary Pogues. You know, for yeah. like, like California sort of punk scene. I just like, well, like, if you're going to listen to, if you want to listen to that, might as well go listen to a Pogues record. Yeah, yeah. They're, um, they're, I mean, the Pogues, like, I watched, so I started, I was too young to see them, like, when they were initially around, obviously. But then when I, I got into them loads in my probably early to mid-teens, I think I was going through a real, like, my parents are Irish, so I was going yeah. through a real phase of finding my roots and actually, I think if you're, you know, if you're second generation Irish, the, I think every second generation Irish person I know loves the Pogues. It's almost like they're uh, they're a cool band that you know most of the members were Irish, and you know they sort of they're very Irish, you know, music. So it sort of felt like something that you could hold on to and be like, this is the sound of my my homeland sort of thing yeah and so we me and all my mate me and a lot of my mates got into them and you know then the moment we got you know i remember being about 16 17 and i went to see shane mcgowan and the popes which was sort of the band that there were some members of the pose in and it was right after the pose split up and that was like almost like the holding band for the pose before they then reformed as a full group again and I saw the Popes and Shane McGowan a bunch of times, and then I saw the Pogues when they reformed loads of times too. And they're just—they're one of the best live bands. Even Shane McGowan, when he was at his probably most physically dodgy, you know, being having to be led on stage by two handlers because he couldn't even walk properly. You know, he was so messed up and looked like he was on his last legs. He still got to the mic and could sing every single word pitch perfect and as pitch perfect as he could sing I suppose yeah alright so this is this is the broad majestic Shannon okay so following on from the Pogues who's up next <laughs> I think it's probably quite a this is quite a jump from the post to go to Luther Vandross it's it's a bit of a departure I'll give you that yeah it's yeah it, I mean it's probably not a different era it's probably a similar era to the Pogues really yeah. but um, I love Luther Vandross and I think this song is one of my favourite ever like party songs this is a song that if I'm putting a, like if I'm having a barbecue this is like the first song I put on a on right when I've got to sort my barbecue playlist out. Right. This is always, without fail, this is always the first song I put on it. Like for years. It's just I think it's such a brilliant song. And it's one of those songs that I reckon if you ask most people, oh, do you like this song? They'd probably go, it's a bit cheesy. But if you put it on, they'd all A like it and B, if they listen to it properly, would go, oh, it's actually a really brilliant song it's really well sung it's really well made captures in it it's cool it's the best it's exactly what happened it's today like, like I, I yeah. looked at it and went okay and then when it came on because we were listening to the mixtape while we were having dinner I was just like you know what this is such a good tune because it's, it's so, so well good together it's, it's so well produced like it's one of them proper I presume I don't I'm, I actually don't know off the top of my head it's got that sort of um, what's his name from uh, who was in Chic and all that is it Niles Rod- Rogers yeah 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 it's, it's got that sound that he yeah he was would have been involved in it in that era of just really it was almost like in that era you know because you had I love soul music you know I love the, probably the first actual genre of music I fell in love with where I actually suddenly felt like oh, this is my music I remember being about 12 or 13 and my, my brother had a 60s compilation and I listened to it and it had loads of like Motown stuff and I just had this weird affinity with it. I loved it. And then I, I remember watching Blues Brothers and loving all the Aretha Franklin bits and, you know, I just fell in love with soul 
but then actually after that sort of then disco came along and a lot of people sort of you know forget that there's some really good disco that was like the progression of soul really and actually I think Luther Vandross often gets thrown in with disco music people think oh he's just like, almost like that cheesy 80s soul that was a bit naff and there was always like saxophones kicking about and yeah. I think actually I, I think he's you know he was pretty consistently good even during the periods where soul went a little bit cheesy and I think this song actually is way better than yeah, people give it credit for I was literally that was the, exactly the same thing that was in my head just now like it's better than people give it credit for and, and like you said when you hear it you kind of put aside all your reservations because you're thinking of all that cheese from the era and go but this is so well put together yeah it's weird and like you know not to jump ahead but I think the next song I put on this playlist is I picked for almost the same reason in that you know I, just, I think there's a lot of music even from disco that actually because the word disco makes things sound bad because you associate it with all the cheesy stuff and them little clips you'd see on top of the pops too of <laughs> idiots in flares jumping around yeah actually there's a lot of there's a lot of really good music in there amazing bands you know funk and soul and all that you know might have had periods where it was a bit cheesy but it's always during those periods amazing stuff like a lot of funk music people just assume it's a bit like and a bit cheesy yeah but then if you listen to like parliament and bands like you know, there's loads of amazing stuff going on as well. You've just got to find the good stuff within that genre. Yeah, definitely. All right, so this track is... It's Never Too Much. Luther Vandross, who are we listen to now? <laughs> this, this one is the one that, again, I think, even more than Luther, um, it's uh, Earth, Wind and Fire, who, again, like, you know, people just, when they think of Earth, Wind and Fire, think about a couple of disco tracks that they've probably heard a billion times at a wedding, you know what I mean, at 10pm yeah. and they're drunk. And uh, Earth, Wind & Fire song comes on and they just dance and they dance and then the next time they hear it in a shop or something, they're like, oh, that's that cheesy wedding song. But actually, you know, they've got so many albums and they were like real pioneers of that era. And, you know, I just think that they get lost in it all because of a couple of their songs that have become something that then, you know, understandably they're sort of victims of their own success. Whereas actually they've also got some really lovely, more... Um, I don't know, more relaxed sort of soul-sounding songs. And I think this is probably one of those. It's definitely one of those. And it's another one of those tracks where, like, I don't really know much Earth, Wind & Fire, um, but when it came on, I was like, oh, no, I do recognise this. And it's... <laughs> and again, it's quite mellow. And I was, I, and I, I did wonder if this was deliberate. Um... But, uh, but no, it's, uh, it's got... It's, Again, it's a very nice sort of uh, late in a summer evening kind of vibe. That's exactly. Again, this this is genuine. Um, not just saying that because you said that, but whenever I have a like a party, I always do two playlists. Like if I ever get together with friends or whatever, I always have two playlists. One is the first half of the evening, and the other playlist is the second half of the evening. And the second half is the one that starts getting a bit more. You know, we're coming towards the end of the night. Let's relax things a bit. Yeah, this yeah. is literally it's the first track that goes on that second playlist without fail amazing this, 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 I think this track has got I remember listening I went on a friend's stag do a couple of years ago and it was like it was one of the mad stag do's you know we had to go to Spain and we just stayed in the villa and we just had this night that was just insane you know, we just ended up going out but then we went back to the villa and we were all just sitting around this big wooden table until morning and then everyone went to bed and me and two of them were still up and it was, you know, the sun came up and we just had this speaker on. And I remember this came on a playlist and it was like, it was just the perfect song for like yeah. almost bedtime. Uh, a moment perfectly punctuated by the right tune coming on at random. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah. Yeah, right. I, remember, I remember it coming on, and we, and we just we all went just quiet and just listened to it, and just sat there as the sun came up. It was lovely. All right, so this is this is after the love has gone. <laughs> This was the one that I, when I saw it, and I even said, I even sent it to you uh, in the the little chat we had going on. I was just like, "This is a fucking tune." Yeah. So who's this is, I think this is what uh, this is by McCalmont and Butler, and I think you know when you say that, it's everyone knows it's probably only going to be one track. Um, but I mean, this song, I just think, is like one of the highlights of the nineties. Do you know yeah. what I mean? I think it was. It was. It's such a weird song when you actually think about it. When, when you actually, you know, it's like you know, Bernard Butler. What he would sort of left Suede, had not he? And yeah. Just, like everyone's like, what's he going to do next? And then he teams up with like basically someone who has got an opera voice, and they just create this mad song. Which is, is it's a proper slap in the face kicking the balls whatever you want to call it because it's a sort of song that everyone wants to sing along but very few people have got the range to do it uh, no, yeah absolutely what is, I mean this yeah the, the, the whole song is sung so high and yeah. it's so impressive and it's such an it's such an anthem isn't it it's one of them songs where you know it's I mean when you look at the words obviously it's about like a, a end of a relationship you've moved on and then yeah. suddenly they ask, like, if you're, how you're feeling. You're like, it's all basically, it's like, it's almost like you saying, I'm done with you, don't even talk to me. Yeah. But sung in that, it's almost like an I Will Survive of the 90s, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. But it's so big. There's a theatrical sort of side to it. it. And it feels grandiose and a massive tune. And it, I remember hearing this and thinking, oh my God, if this is the first single from these guys, what's the rest of it going to be like? <laughs> yeah. And there was nothing as good as this. No, I think it was just, it, yeah, it was it was unfollowable, you yeah. know, for themselves. It's, yeah, it's, and it's one of those songs as well, I remember sort of not really admitting that I liked at the time, because at that time, you know, it, I was more in, I was into Oasis and, I probably didn't want to admit to my friends that I liked this very camp, you know, operatic number. But actually, you know, I just, it's its one of the songs from that, probably that year or two that has stuck with me the whole time. You know, I don't, I'd never go back and listen to Oasis now. That's not to say that they weren't seminal and all that, but I just, I feel like I grew out of a lot of it. And yeah. it's not the stuff I'd sit around and listen to now, whereas this is one of the songs that lasted longer than all of them. Yeah, and it's weird because it's not like a heavy song. And there's there's no there's not a shred of distortion on any of the guitars or anything, but it still comes across like a rock and roll song. Absolutely, I, I don't know. Yeah, I don't really know how that is, but it is. Yeah, it's definitely. You know, I, I feel this has more of a rock spirit than a lot of yeah. the stuff of that time that would have been deemed as rock or indie and stuff like that yeah absolutely and I think if they had sort of pumped out a couple of tracks you know 80% as good as this then they would have been massive but like oh, this yeah but also so there's something quite nice and romantic about the fact that this is they just did this and then that you know that they, 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 they didn't have to ruin it by carrying on and doing loads of stuff. Okay, so this is? It's yes. All right, so following McCalmont and Butler, who do we have? <laughs> We've got the doors, which again, I mean, you know, the doors are any, I'd say any bloke who has gone through, you know, periods of his life where he's been a, you know, casual drug taker or, you know, it, it, it has 
got into any little subcultures. I think it's gone through a Doors phase. Yeah. You know, there was, I, I think, and I got, I got into the Doors probably, I would say, 16, 17. And then they sort of, I still, I, I wouldn't say I, I go back and listen to much of them anymore. But then, weirdly, they're probably their most pretentious song is the one that I still listen to semi-regularly, and that's yeah. this one. Yeah. I, when that's, yeah, it's, when you say pretentious, I mean, this is this is the Doors at their most... Like, if you don't like the Doors, this song will be the one that really makes you not like them. <laughs> I saw them uh, when they toured with Ian Asprey of The Cult, fronting them. Oh, really? Bloody yeah. hell, that's... Yeah. I, I, I thought out of all the people, you know, they've had... All the bands that have like a replacement singer, you know, when like the like Queen toured with what's his name from um, was it Free, that guy, and you oh, know, yeah. they have different I forgot his name, but yeah, you know, when a band tours with a here's this guy replacing so and so, I'm always just so dubious. But weirdly, the Doors going with with him at the front was the only one that made me think, well, oh, that sounds quite cool actually. Yeah, and he. He kind of he looked the part, like without yes. overtly impersonating him. He did look like uh, the the closest thing to Jim Morrison that you could sort of slot into the gap. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's it. You need somebody who's almost got that sort of pompous performance style. Yeah, I think you know you couldn't have somebody who's quite boring on stage. But yeah, I think like you know the doors. I, I do you know I do think they are of you, they're in you. You have to be in a certain age group to really love them. I don't know anyone my age who still goes. Oh, I was listening to the doors the other day. It just seems a bit weird, but they were still like you know it's still pretty impressive when you think when you see photos of Jim Morrison like he was only what twenty seven when he died. He looked about forty five. <laughs> so old, you know. And I think he was like he always seemed much older than he was. And I just think you know, I not only do I, I actually quite like some of his poetry and like uh, there's an album called I forget what it's called that they made after he died, based on some recordings of his poetry and the Doors put some music to it. And they've got there's some really great tracks on that that feel a bit. Like they could have been Doors tracks, but but they also feel some of them feel a little bit like he would have hated them. Like you know, what I mean, it almost feels like the band ruined what he did. But uh, but this one, I just I just think this song is so over the top and long, but also in the right mood. I think it's an absolute journey of a song. You know, you can lie back. I've I've had moments in my life where I've been on a you know in a heap on the floor with mates lying all around me just in some sort of mess and this is played and it feels like you've been you go on an actual journey and that's how, that's because it's so ridiculous yeah this is the sort of tune that would come on at the very end of a night to the point where the the front room looks like a morgue because there's just yeah. everywhere <laughs> yeah yeah all right so this is this is the end weird scenes inside the gold So, who have we got next? Uh, next up is uh, Hall and Oates, which is probably I'd say out of every, everyone I've chosen there. In terms of, you know, I would def- I would defended Earth, Wind and Fire and Luther Vandross because I think you know they are brilliant uh, artists and they often get thrown in with quite cheesy artists. I'd say Hall and Oates would be the ones that will sit right in that middle group, like in terms of. I think they get thought of as just a cheesy, like yacht rock band. They're actually really good musicians, but I also think they do fill a place that is essentially quite. Uh, what's the word without sounding like I'm taking the mic? They basically like you know I would say it's easy listening rock at its but but it's like the sort of pinnacle of that genre of music. 
So it's not, you know, I, they're brilliant musicians. They've got like the lead singer's got amazing uh, voice. You know what I mean? It's he sort of takes, you know, he takes the real highs. And he's when he, I, I've watched live footage of them. I've never actually managed to see them live. I was going to go see them last year, and actually ended up not getting around to it. But you watch footage of them live on things like the, the old Grey Whistle Test, and they are so brilliant live. Like they're, they're one of them bands where they sound exactly like the recording. Yeah. And like it proves how good they are as a band, but you know, but no one's going to say that their songs and albums are going to, you know, win any awards for you know, or go down in history as the greatest songs ever written. But I actually think there's room for bands that are just absolute fun showmen, essentially, or or women. And I think these are just the best of that category. Most of their songs are really upbeat and like you know. You make my dreams come true. This is actually probably this is their most, you know, downbeat, sad love song. And it, I think this shows they could, they did actually have more depth than people give them credit for as well. Okay, so this is. So it's she's gone. Get up in the morning, look in the mirror. There's a toothbrush hanging in the stand. Right now, um, <laughs> this this is another one that because I, I was I, I, I'll be honest I didn't recognise the name of the track before it played yes. and then I listened to it and it's a beautiful piece of music. So who's this? Uh, this is um, Mozart of all people. Um, I. I, I really like classical music, and I, I got—I weirdly have liked it from a, a, an age that I probably shouldn't have, really, because like, you know, I grew up in a council flat, and my parents are mad old sort of Irish nutters. And well, my dad, my dad's my, like he's—you know—the most South London bloke you'd ever meet. Really, he was a drinky. You know, there was never anything in the house music-wise with that wasn't like Irish folk music or something. So I don't I didn't really have any reason to ever like classical music. And then I just remember I think I, I don't know if it was like free with a newspaper, but I remember getting a CD in my teens that was like cl- the best classical songs of all time. And I just listened to it and it just blew me away. You know, I'd never heard anything by Bach or any of that. And it just tickled my fancy enough that I just went off and listened to quite a bit of it and just found that I, it's it's really good and there's loads of it and you know this it's one of them genres that I think I'd never would have even ventured into if I hadn't have been you know got a free CD of it when I was in my mid-teens yeah the only the only sort of classical composer that I really know anything about is Wagner um, yeah and that's because we went to Bavaria and went to that Neuschwanstein uh, palace in the Black yeah. Forest that the, the, the Disney uh, castle is based on. And on the tour, you see loads of... Uh, there's loads of sort of murals of scenes from Wagner pieces of music. And it, the guy who had the, had the palace... It's like King Ludwig II or something. He was like the patron of Wagner, but Wagner was this debauched drunkard who just took him for a ride and promised him this this massive yeah, yeah, yeah. purpose, but just spent loads of money on uh, booze and women. <laughs> it's, um, have you ever seen um, uh, Amadeus? The, well, I've seen the, there's a film version, but it's, a, it's originally a play. No, I've never seen it. It's brilliant. It's a brilliant film. It's worth watching. But it's just um, it's it's you know it's it's very loosely based on the truth, and it's about um, like the rivalry between uh, a sort of court composer and the young Mozart, you know. And it's just it's brilliant. But I mean, that was the first time I heard this track, which was it's you know it's from um, Mozart's Requiem, which is like it's a really sad sad piece of music. And like the theory is that he wrote it while he was dying, and that he knew he was dying. He was essentially writing his own, his own funeral mass. Oh, so like, right. And it's, I think it's, I think it just really comes across. It's 
the whole, you know, you can listen to the whole Requiem. It's, it's, it's hard. It's hard going. It's like really, there's a real bleakness and like this sort of ominous sound to it. So I think, yeah, it's not. I think when people think of classical music, often they think of uh, sort of oh, like background music, something you'd sit there and you know, read to on a Sunday morning. Yeah. Actually, a lot of it I find it is a bit too much for that. Some of it is just too full on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, yeah, you've got to really. It's actually there's a lot of variety in it. I think if unless you sort of have a little listen to a few different types of composers and the types of stuff they've done, you know, you don't realise that. Oh, like it was almost like they did different types of album. Like the fact that. They all did a requiem, which was like this is the this is the mass song or mass album, and then they do another album, which was much more like hey, this is more of a court party album, you know. So actually, it's quite funny when you think they were doing their their sort of concept albums. Yeah. Okay. So this is this is Lacrimosa. This this is where I, I explain what my, what my theory was about this playlist. I, I looked okay. at this playlist and I thought, is he fucking with us? <laughs> and and my, my theory is, right, you created this playlist to lull people into a false sense of security <laughs> to the point where they might just drop off and, and and have a little bit of a nap just to be woken up by this last track. Um, uh, this this last track is. Uh, th- th- I'm not going to I'm not going to lie when I tell you this. This was the first song that I put on the playlist. Right when I um I when it, when I see said about doing it um I. Yeah, I, I remember. I initially thought oh, it's going to be so hard to think of, you know, ten songs. It could be, you know, this could be fifty tracks long. It could be. Yeah, you know, I did another. I did um, uh, a podcast uh, called the Three Tracks Podcast, where you can only pick three, right. and I found that easier than doing ten because three, you know, you're just going to go for right. Here's the three most important tracks I've ever listened to, and on this actually, I've gone for different ones. I thought, no, I'm going I'm to pick ten that had loads of different meaning and I'd actually put on a playlist but this track is by Andrew WK which is probably the one I would say I would say Andrew WK would show up on the least amount of people's playlist that would be on this podcast uh, you know in the years to come he's popped up so far yes because and again I, I reckon this might be something I don't know I'm starting to notice a theme myself but with Hall and Oates Andros, Earth, Wind and Fire, Roxy Music. I reckon there's some part of me that feels aggrieved on on the part of like certain musicians that they almost get thought of as cheesy or novelty or just fun or whatever. And actually, there's a lot of depth to what they do. And Andrew WK, his debut album, and I think I've I think I've said this on a number of podcasts. I feel like it's some sort of this is my cause. But I genuinely think Andrew WK's debut album is the best debut album I've ever heard. Like I, I remember hearing it and I couldn't believe what I was listening to. Like, you know, I've never heard such a bold open like, a, a debut album that is almost like an indictment on the current state of music. Because at that point, that came out just at the peak of like the Strokes. You know, that that indie movement from America where everyone was right, let's get our skinny jeans on and our cool leather jackets and grow our hair yeah. and look like we're in the Ramones and just smoke little roll-ups and not talk to each other because we're too cool. So music suddenly got really, like, hipster, essentially. Yeah. And I don't mean that in a critical way. It's just that's what it was. The only cool music was hipster music, essentially, like, like little little sort of indie kids with spots and no-one's washing or anything. And I was part of that. That was, like, that was my thing. I love the strokes and... Everything was like the white stripes were coming along and it was all just like this, everything's got to be so dirty and Detroit sound rock and all that. And then suddenly, Andrew WK came along 
dressed in white jeans and a white t-shirt and just did this mad head banging rock album that was like and like songs like party hard and party till he puke and it was almost the it was such it was literally the exact opposite end of the spectrum to all the music that was getting all the plaudits but didn't and didn't I just lo- I loved it it was unapologetic so, in terms of like it was just like this is what we do have it yeah because all the music was that sort of navel gazing indie rock where you know it was brilliant brilliant stuff in that era but everyone was sort of about how sad they were and oh man isn't life hard when you're 19 or whatever and then suddenly this big nutter came along who was like oh it's fucking wicked mate <laughs> just jumping around and shouting and you know just it's I just I just I remember just it was almost like you know have like the, the music equivalent of a Jaeger bomb in a night that's starting to feel a bit like a long drawn out oh I might just go home and then somebody gives you a Jaeger bomb and next thing you know you're like this night's back on we're off yeah I think honestly I, I know and it's I think I've said this to so many people like mates who think I'm joking when I say how good this album is but I struggle to pick which track to put on off the album I think the whole album from start to finish is incredible it's one of the most consistent albums we've ever listened to and it just I just think it's such a it's such a brilliant debut album. Like that's a, there's a that's almost a different category in it. Like yeah. you know, a lot of bands saying that the strokes to their credit, their debut album was pretty incredible for just like, you know, coming out of nowhere. Yeah. And even though, you know, that you can look at it and say that it's quite derivative of certain other bands and stuff. But still, you know, I think I love I love a good debut album when it comes out and it's just a real like I don't give a shit what you lot are doing is two fingers this is yeah. what I'm doing yeah and then it, and, you, and you know when it's really good because then you'll get a handful of people who try and imitate what that person did oh yeah yeah and I'd say you know I think Andrew WK was almost too it was almost uncopyable you know what I mean so it's like you, he was just such a you know his music is essentially head banging hard rock Mm. But it still doesn't sound like any other hard rock, and I, th- I think he just—he just—he's—he's very, very, very individual, and he's a super like positive guy, and yeah, you know, he really lives the life that he portrays and talks about. And yeah, I just think, yeah, I think it was just, yeah, he's such a—I just find him very individual for a type of music that's sort of normally the whole point of it is it, it all sounds quite similar it follows similar sort of guitar patterns and that yeah. for him to do it in such an original way I think was just brilliant and weirdly I didn't I've not really loved his follow up albums that he did so it's not it was totally it captured the time for me I just I fell in love with this album I remember it really was quite, I remember the NME that, that year put it like in the top 10 albums of the year and loads of people kicked off and were like this is the death of the NME and I remember just thinking, I remember feeling like I've been validated. I was like, I told you, it was brilliant. No, but that's just a lot of people who follow the enemy taking themselves too seriously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely. So, like, my, my missus is a massive rock music fan. Uh, you wouldn't know it to look at her. Um, but our kid is three now. So we're trying, yeah. starting to play music for him. We're trying to pick stuff that could be like like a gateway band. So like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, maybe like, you know, any, anything that's just dead tuneful. So I'm just wondering, and, and just to break up the monotony of the day at the moment, um, and to, to turn the fucking TV off, we'll just have like a mad half an hour of like bouncing around the living room to like old Green Day yeah, yeah, yeah. or something like that. And I'm just wondering what kind of effect the Andrew WK would have on a three-year-old boy. Oh, I think it. I think he'd love it. I think it's it's almost like. You know, I'd say it's almost like the perfect album for toddlers. I mean, I mean it's, it, it sounds like the inside of a toddler's mind. This is pure, blind happiness and innocence. All right, yeah. well, I'll, I'll, do a, I'll do an acid test with that tomorrow and see what's going on. Yeah, you could try any of the tracks on the album. I think this one actually is probably, you know, as a title track goes, you know, normally the title track on an album is not the best. But this, I think, just really captures the album. It's such a big song. Best one of the best intros of a song I've ever heard as well. All right, so this is this is I get wet.
but I fully stand by it. All right, so for anyone listening who isn't already aware of you and your comedy, where's the, where's the best place to find you, mate? I think the best place is probably um, on... Well, I say my podcast is probably... That's where I normally talk about gigs that are coming up and stuff. Like, I've got a website and I'm on Twitter and Instagram just at Carl Donnelly, but if they want to hear more about what's going on, it's Two Vegan Idiots is the podcast. And what's the, the premise of, of Two Vegan Idiots? There's no premise. It's actually just me and a stand-up called Julian Dean, who's, like, probably the... Like, he's the funniest person I know. And, like, me and him just chat once a week with a guest and we just have a laugh, really. There's no theme. We never talk about veganism, even though it's called Two Vegan Idiots. We just happen to be vegan. Amazing. So, all right, well, we'll, uh, we'll add all the links to the, the show notes of the episode. And thanks very much for coming on, man. It's just been awesome. Cheers, man. No, it's been good fun. So, that concludes this week's episode. We've deliberately kept the music played below the conversation because we believe that all musicians should be paid something for what they do. So if you'd like to listen to the mixtape in full, you can find it on Apple Music or Spotify by clicking the links in the show notes of this episode. Or you can find and follow the Facebook page Mixtapes with Mike and I'll share those links on the post that announces this episode. If you've enjoyed the podcast, it would mean the world to me if you would share it on your social media with anyone you think would enjoy it. It would mean even more if you would leave us a positive review on iTunes as that will help us reach a larger audience. But in the meantime, I'll see you next week for another episode of Mixtapes with Mike.